Welcome to another edition of The List, the Right Fiction Podcast. We've got a wonderful show for everyone today about our favorite songs with three chords or less. Before we get started, if you love the pod, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your listening app. It helps us reach new listeners just like you. Also, be sure to check out our website, www.rightfiction.com, where you can find the Spotify playlist with all our picks that we mentioned in the pod. Now, let's get to it. backbone of so much music we know and love is made up of chords and chord progressions. In music, a chord is any harmonic set of frequencies consisting of multiple notes, also called pitches, that are heard at the same time. And a chord progression is a series of chords played one after the other. A common debate among songwriters out there is the question of, well, how many chords are needed when writing a great song? Some fall on a spectrum of more is better, saying that the more chords provide a wider palette to draw upon when conveying emotion to the listener, while others say that having too many chords in a song detracts from the lyrical impact and emotional delivery of the song. Well, on today's show, we are going to examine and in some instances try to make the case for the less is more side of this debate as we discuss our favorite songs with three chords or less. But first, I want to introduce a guest. We have a guest to help us kind of dig into this topic. Uh, we have Paul Kleinart with us. Paul, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We'll give you a little bit of background on our, on our guest here today. Um, so Paul is from PK and the Inbetweens, his band. Uh, Paul is a lifelong resident of the Lehigh Valley and kicked around the greater Philadelphia music scene during the 90s with his original band, Waiting for Rain, until the band dissolved in 2000. Other than a few open mics and a reunion show with his old band, Paul has remained off the stage and under the radar, focusing his creative talent and energy on his career as a high school teacher. He returned to the studio in 2019 with Philly producer and engineer Brian Bricklin, who you've heard on this pod before. Backed in the studio by a team of Philadelphia All-Stars, including Eric Johnson and Kevin Hansen of Huff and Moose, Pade Madamagian, Howie Gordon and Joanna Pachiti. 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 My bad, Joanna. Joanna Pachiti. Paul released the EP, A Lifetime of Almost, a very great um, EP, in early 2020. And PK is currently finishing his second EP with Brian and working on a separate song cycle with Tyler Sky at Moon Plane Recording Studio. Paul, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I have to say that uh, although the temperatures are a little chilly outside, this kind of feels like rock and roll summer camp to me. So this is uh, so I appreciate you guys uh, having me here today. So thank you very, nice. very much. Nice. Nice. And you play guitar, is that right? Or you play uh, everything? Uh, or do you, no, play? no. Uh, I, I scratch away at some basic three chord songs. So nice. <laughs> that, is, that is kind of it. And uh, I do my best with, with that. Uh, you know, to kind of pick away some songs. Nice, and and so that's kind of what you're you're doing and with your um, upcoming albums, EPs. Is you're kind of kind of focusing more on the the three chords or less kind of mantra. That's that's kind of where I I'm sort of a three chords and a truth kind of guy. You know, if I'm getting fancy, there's a fourth or fifth chord in there. 
Um, but uh, it's not super complicated stuff for me. So it's, it's kind of basic, you know, real basic uh, rock and roll stuff. Nice. Basic rock and roll stuff. All right. Let's challenge that notion today, fellas. <laughs> and uh, actually with me, as always, Brandon Hare Mara Magian. Hello, sir. Oh, top of the morning to you, gentlemen. A soft clap from Freddie. Uh, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie Bobetti Freudy Berman. What's hello, up, sir? Hello, hello. Uh, we have Adam. Anonymous, Pumpkin, Blonde, Selick, Dr. Podiatrist, Zelensky. I'm going to run, I mean, we're going to run out of, we need a separate pod just for all the nicknames so we can run that through. Maybe. So <laughs> Maybe. Getting, it's getting more and more. I'm saying it's always like boxers where you just keep on going with the nicknames over and yeah. over and over. Yes. Actually, I, I got another one for you. I forgot, Freddie. It's coming. It's coming. Come on. I'm, I'm workshopping it in my brain. Workshopping. Okay. It's not ready yet. Not, so. he's, uh, not, 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 not fit for area. Oh, yeah. Know? Actually, I got it. Oh. Freddie Beans. Ah, oh, Freddie Beans. I like yeah. that. Isn't that a car dealership? I don't know. Fred Beans, it is. Yeah. Well, no, Freddie Beans. Ah, oh, Freddie Beans. That's your cousin. <laughs> yeah, like 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 Pinto Beans. I don't know. A friend man. of mine has a dog, Frankie Beans. Well, there you go. It fits. Frankie, Freddie. It fits. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the what's the origin of this? I don't know. I was thinking about Freddie's name, uh, Fred Berman. And I was like, Beanman? Beans. Willie Beanman? I think Fred I ate Berman. Beans that day, and I was like, oh, what if it was like Freddie Beans? <laughs> that, that's I was like, like that's that kind be... of a cool name. I was like, that's my mob name. I was going to say, yeah, that's yeah. very mafioso. That's a Sopranos name. That's your Sopranos <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah, Freddie, Freddie Beans. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, I'm, I don't. Take this stuff down to Freddie Beans. <laughs> I don't. He's not a gassy individual that I, I am aware of. No. Yeah, you know, that's a, not that type. <laughs> It's like, yeah, the, no, the booth smells yes, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's a family uh, yeah. show. There's a family show. Uh, and uh, uh, my name is Aaron Brown, uh, the John Stockton of this podcast, dishing out assists left and right, a.k.a. Corn Teeth. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, songs with three chords or less. And uh, why, why, don't we, why don't we get into it, guys? Uh, what's your favorite song of three chords or less? Chords or less? Uh, Patty. Going up first. Okay. My third pick, I went with the inminable, uh, I can't even say that word, uh, cannot be imitated. Joe Cocker with Feeling All Right. Came out in 1969. It is two chords. And the truth, I, I would say, I would assert. My second pick, I went with a newer song that I am just obsessed with. It's the band The War on Drugs, and that came out this year. And the song is I Don't Live Here Anymore, and that is Two Chords. I was lying in my bed A creature void of form Been so afraid of everything Again, two two-chord songs. And then for my number one pick... Another two-chord wonder. I went with the great Etta James and the 1967 tune, I'd Rather Go Blind. I would rather, I would rather go blind, boy. Than to see you walk away from me. Those are my three. Etta James, always. Nice. Two chords and a lot of lies. <laughs> um, <laughs> Paul. All right. Yeah, uh, 
top three songs, buddy. Number uh, number three, um, I went with uh, a song off the Unforgettable Fire uh, record. This is right as U2 is is on the on ramp of of becoming you know mega stars. Um, a great live staple for U2. Um, the first uh, the first of their Daniel Lenoir and uh, Brian Eno collaborations, and this is a song uh, called Bad. That's my number three pick. Uh, coming in at number two, um, a song that was our wedding party dance song when my nice. wife and I were married. Um, it has to make you happy, uh, I think. It always makes me happy. Um, and it's a classic Higher and Higher by Jackie Wilson. You know your love, you um, and then my number one song, uh, a phenomenal Australian uh, singer-songwriter, a uh, guy by the name of Paul Kelly. This is off his first solo record, um, and a uh, beautiful tune um, that I've loved since it's come out in 1994, a song called Summer Rain. She's warm, she's fresh, like summer rain. She comes in a Nice, excellent pick, sir. And I, I, I will say you failed to mention one of the, the, the most prominent placements of uh, your love keeps lifting me higher and higher. Uh, is that it was in Ghostbusters 2. That's right. That's when they made the Statue of Liberty walk through the streets of New York and uh, save the day. Pivotal did moment. you get married the same year by <laughs> we chance? Did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> Very important music, uh, moment in music history. Um, Freddie Bobetti. Yeah, man. What are your top three songs with okay, three chords or less? Three. Number three. I believe it's just one chord happening on this song. Muddy Waters, 1955. Manish Boy. At the age of five, my mother's child gonna be the greatest man alive. One chord, right? I think. Yeah. That's it. All day long. Number two, I believe this is three chords. Peggy Sue by Buddy Holly, 1957. And number one. I think this might be one chord, too. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. fellas. James Brown, 1967 release. There was a time. There was a time when I used to praise. But dig me now, baby. Don't worry about it. One chord on the one. That's it, it better be on the one. That's it. Nice. Because where are you going to go after that? Yes. People don't know what that means. So what does that mean when you, when you say the on the one? The, with, with James Brown, specifically. Well, with James Brown, on the one means on the down first downbeat of every measure. That was his. That was his thing, His huh? thing. He said, you can do whatever you want in between, but as long as you come back down on the one, 
we're all good. Nice. But it also, in this context, means on the root, the one chord. Right. Yeah. It's not going anywhere else. Staying on that one chord. Exactly. On the better one. stay on that one. That's yeah. it. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Mr. Blonselic, mm. what do you have, sir? Uh, Freddie, I think you win for least amount of chords in your top three. You only have, that's, that's, that that's part of yeah. my... Uh, so I, thought, I thought I was going to be, you know... Thought process. Super, uh, you know, super above it all with my, my... My number three is only one chord. I'm like, oh, wow, no one else is going to do one chord. And then I look, and I'm like, eh, no. <laughs> A lot of people did that. But uh, my number three is Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles, final song on Revolver. Uh, very hypnotizing with it, with it, you know, and always, and then and before I even thought about theory, I'm just like, oh, why is this so hypnotizing? And it's because, well, it's a chord. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's why. So yeah, that's uh, oh, that's one of my favorite three or less there. Um, number two, a, a nice uh, lean on me, Bill Withers, very feel goody, not as um, hypnotizing song. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be. There, uh, I mean, everyone knows Lean on Me. That's, you know, great feel-good. Much like your love keep me higher and higher. And, you know, another feel-good anthem, but not in Ghostbusters too, Or Paul's Wedding. And then uh, number one, I went with uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door. I uh, went with the Guns N' Roses version. Why? Why? <laughs> because I think um, someone takes ownership of a cover, at least in my mind, when I can't hear the song without sing it or hear any other version without hearing the axles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I, 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 I can't not hear it. So Wait, it's, well, it's what there. does Axel do again? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I can't do the screechy ones. I don't want to. I don't. I, I don't it's too wanna. early. Oh, I no, no. It's too early. Yeah, too too late in my life. I can't. I can't do it anymore. But uh, I never really could actually. But no, mm-hmm. nah, nah, that that you know, I, I just feel that version took over for me, and <laughs> in in a in a blaze of excess. And so number one, Axel with a bullet. Nice. And um, this is a uh, good old corn teeth here. And I actually have a quick follow-up to uh, Adam real quick. Um, who actually, what's the original knocking on Heaven's Door? That's the only thing Bob I know. Dylan. Bob Dylan. Oh, no wonder I don't know. <laughs> another, <laughs> another favorite of yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's from a oh. uh, movie, right? I, I think. Uh, it's a bad one anyway. Nobody can think of it. Everybody's like perplexed. Like, what movie is oh, this? I don't have it. I think it was like Billy the the Sundance Kid, um, Butch Cassidy and Sundance. Yeah, yeah, I think that the, originally uh, that's what it's from. Well, wow. Sundance Kid. That doesn't sound right. I'm thinking of the film festival. The only one I know is the Guns N' Roses, and I thought I thought it was original by them. So look, at, good, good for them. Good for those guys. See, see, there's another one. Go for it. Add me to Guns N' Roses tally. Anyway, <laughs> my picks, my number three pick, um, and um, I, I kind of chose my picks in terms of variety if you will and so my 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 number three pick here is walk like an egyptian 
by the Bangles from their album Different Light, coming out in 1985. Um, I looked on like you know the all the tabs, and it seems like there's only three chords, um, and it's like I don't know, so I just picked it, and it's a pop masterpiece, I think. Yeah. It just, appeared last week. That's what I mean. Did you, I'm like, did you just? Picked that last week. It too? was that was on my list. Oh, okay. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was it must I'm have like, seeped in there. That must have. I rubbed off on you for wow. once. Wow. Oh. Pat Barrett, Pat Carrot, Billy the Kid. Oh, okay. Oh, we can close the file on that one. Robert Redford was in that, who did Sundance exactly. Festival. There, there's, 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 there's the connection. Yeah, there's okay. the degrees. Uh, the yes. listeners can stop right. screaming at their Sorry. radios now. We, we the circle of life. Yep. Sorry. We did it, guys. Yep. Delete the email. Delete your draft. Right. Don't send yeah. it in. <laughs> Moving forward. Okay. Sorry. My number two pick is uh, I pulled a meta, guys. I pulled a meta, and my number two pick is a song called So What by Miles Davis off of Kind of Blue. It is one of the best-known examples of modal jazz set in the Dorian mode and consisting of 16 bars of D-Dorian followed by 8 bars of E-flat Dorian and another 8 of D-Dorian. What that is, I have no idea. But Brendan will talk to us about it <laughs> later on. Okay, guys, you can wake up now. You can wake up. <laughs> <laughs> and my number one pick uh, is a song by the... Uh, uh, well, it's a, it's a cover. I didn't really know it was a cover either, but it's a, a an African-American traditional spiritual song, which I should know because I'm African-American and spiritual. I'm African-American spiritual. Is a song called Sinner Man, um, and it's by Nina Simone, the version by Nina Simone, uh, recorded and released in 1965. Um, I think it actually has my F4 cores in it, but uh, who's counting? So, we are. Um, <laughs> we, we literally are. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if it does, it, it doesn't matter. Um, three-ish, so, three-ish cords? Yeah, yeah. Three, three, you know, who, who's counting? Um, so, on that note, we're going to take a short break and come back with uh, loads more discussion. Hold on. And we are back. And so this topic of songs with three chords or less, you might be asking yourself, how did they come up with this topic? Right? Well, I'm going to kick it to my buddy, Paddy, and he's going to share like how we ended up with this specific topic. So what do you got, buddy? Yeah, so just a few weeks ago, Paul came to the studio where we are and uh, presented one of his original songs and asked Freddie and myself to play on it. And Paul wrote this song, from what I understand, as kind of an, an exercise in writing a, a, a harmonically simple tune with having three chords or less. And it was so great because what that did was it freed us up to explore how we can make the song interesting in other ways because the chords were not changing. And so the way that we did it, we, 
we we tried to have the whole song build over the course of its three, four minutes. And so we ended up, I feel like we just kept taking stuff away in a way. We kept reducing and reducing so that by the end, the peak, the payoff was really satisfying. But it started off small and we built and built and built. Like Freddie's drum part was like very simplistic. But then by the end, we even like overdubbed a second snare part and yeah. like made it more varied and interesting. So it's just interesting what you can do with other elements of the production and the song when just the chords are not changing. So I thought that was, that was for me an interesting topic to explore of like what other songs that we know are very simple harmonically, but do a lot for us. That's cool. And, and Paul, you said, uh, Meadow was saying, you, you kind of did this as, a, as an exercise specifically. Um, and if that is so, like why, why that one? So, yeah. So I was uh, reading a biography of, of Paul Kelly and he mentioned uh, he's got a couple circle songs. And so not only three chords, but three chords that never change. Um, so there's no bridge. <laughs> there's no... Could you, uh, what's a circle song? So I, I guess the, the idea is you pick... And it doesn't have to be three chords. It could be four. But these chords literally never change the whole song. There's no bridge. There's no breakout. And I guess the idea is kind of the ultimate uh, tour bus kind of song where it doesn't matter you pick up an instrument you know the chords and you're in you don't have to worry about the break on the song uh i know you guys did a campfire version which it was a different vibe uh but it's that kind of thing and and i i thought that was although i write a ton of very simple songs um i've never written a song that literally stayed on three chords for the entire thing uh so that was sort of an exercise to see if I could do it and what it would sound like. And uh, yeah, and I, I totally agree with Brendan. It, it, and, but I felt that way about a lot of these songs. Like it was maybe production. You know, there's these songs seem, they don't sound simple to me. Nothing on this list sounds simple. Um, so um, I think uh, having a great production crew, obviously, you know, and, and making something out of that. And I just want to follow up with you, Paul, on that. And, and it's kind of a, 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 as a process question. So as you're, you know, kind of like you have the idea to kind of go that kind of direction, like how did it feel um, to you in the process of writing a song or writing songs with, you know, three chords or less? Or like, did you did you did you want to break out of it or were you like really like was it easy to kind of complete that task? So for this for this particular one, um it ended up actually kind of being easy. You know, there's those, those people that write songs. They're the ones that take months and they, maybe years, they evolve over time. This, this literally was a 10-minute, uh, 15-minute out the door. The chords were there. I knew I wasn't going to vary from that. Like, I knew that I was committed to staying on those three chords. And uh, this literally was a 15-minute lyrics, the what are... Freddie was calling them like A sections and B sections or pre-choruses and choruses. They just kind of came fully formed on this one. So it was one of those strange, I think the simplicity um, allowed that to happen. Um, and, then, uh, and then the words just were there. You know, it's a topic that was kind of in my head and it just, it, it happened. You know, so it was like uh, one of those things that happened in 10, 15 minutes. Hmm. Wow. Hey, go ahead, Freddie. Actually, actually I wasn't using the term verse chorus because there really was no. I was using A, B only in terms of how we were going to build 
it. You know what I mean? Like a section, obviously being the first thing lyrically and vibe wise. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was almost like a vibe that we were going like when I first got a demo of you singing it, I didn't know that that was the concept. And I said to Brendan, I was like, this song doesn't really go anywhere, does yeah. it? I yeah. said, we're, we're going to have to make it build dynamically. So that that was the trick slash key to it. Yeah, for sure. Dynamics. Right. And so in, in song, kind of what I was talking about in the intro with, you know, with a lot of chords, you can let the the chords or the chord progressions, you know, weave the listener to someplace else. But in a, in a song with three chords or less, you know, you, you know, you got to take different, you know, different approaches. And I'll go to the Adam, who who is a, is our resident, you know, country guy. Mm-hmm. You know, knows all about the country. Yep. Put it on me. I'll, I'll and, take and all, it. And the the Americana kind of stuff, and like yeah. the stuff where like lyrics is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like. In the songs that you like, and the I don't know, maybe even the song that you, that songs that you write, um, how do you see like the lyrics and like um, the the building of it uh, of a song like from a from a instrumentation part, um, like really contributing to having great songs with three chords or less? Well, I mean, if you're gonna go very lyric heavy, if you, know, you do a bunch of chords, you might. Going to start losing the inflection of the of the lyrics, maybe because it's getting buried in in a, you know your your brain can only pay attention to so many things at once. I mean, with you know extended listens, you could probably get more in, but I think um, a lot of lyric heavy things are usually the, the lyrics came first, and then you're just trying to put like a musical palette uh, behind it, hmm. and that's why just a couple chords will help for a, you know uh, to uh, almost ele- elevate the lyrics a little bit. Because I mean, if you say bunch bunch of chords, you're gonna have something else going on and to distract your mind from the lyrics. Um, but also um, using less chords. Um, just you know, from from many many studies, they're saying that like familiarity, familiarity, um, you know, helps it breeds like people to like stuff or just you know hearing it a ton. Like you know, people just that's why like you know you, you payola a radio hit and people just love it because you just can't get away from it. But also maybe on the, on the on the other on the other hand for like an, an approach to you know songwriting, in that if you don't have a ton of chords, it might expedite the process of people to uh, warm up to it because they have a quicker version of uh, familiarity to the song because it's like here it is here it is okay oh it's coming okay there it is again and then and then they can like lock into the lyrics I think that's is I think that's answering your question. Go for it. Yeah, and I, I would say right right along with that, this the list that you guys all came up with, um, I, I found like an emotional connection to almost every single one of these songs, even songs I wasn't completely familiar with. Um, and I, I think it's because of that. Uh-huh. You know, there, there was a, for me, uh, and I also think it's a list that worked really well together because for me, that emotional connection ran through almost every one of these songs. So I, I completely agree with that. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think that's an excellent point, uh, Paul, is because, uh, you know, one of the things I think about, per se, when I think about songs with three chords or less is like, you got to do something with it. You, you got to make it interesting somehow, right? And so for me, you know, listening to the list and listening to songs like Feeling All Right or, um, you know, Even There Was a Time or Sinner Man or like the songs like that, it's like, 
you know, the, it hits you emotionally or that the, the performance of it is emotional in some form or fashion or the groove, like in James Brown thing is just like, it's an emotional groove almost, you know what I'm saying? And so like, it, it kind of thinks if, if it's three chords or less for me, it's like these songs is like, you gotta have, you gotta put some, some, some ish into it. Uh, Adam, what do you got? Man? Well, let's take this exercise and flip it on its head. Say, well, uh, lean on me. Uh, you know, very simple. Boom, 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 boom. Well, let's add like 10 more chords to it. And, and, and you know, will, will you have, will have the same effect? Will you want to lean on him if he's just constantly changing chords? I will say yes. Well, I know your songwriting. <laughs> <laughs> and for, the, for those, old Aaron songwriting is, it's like, hey, here's a chord chart. Let's see if we can put this entire chart of yeah, chords, every chord into can, every Can we use all the chords? Song. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You know what? Not enough chords. Not enough chords. Put a chords. chord inside a chord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go ahead, Brenda. Yeah, so I think my take on the playlist, to Paul's point, is that there is an emotional connection to each of these songs. And for me, and for everyone, you listen to a song and you want to feel like you went somewhere with it. And I think with these songs, and for my picks, that was my approach. Was like I wanted to feel like by the end, I had traveled somewhere. And I think that that was, I did feel that. And that's why I picked the three that I did, which is interesting too, particularly with songs that are two chords or less, because in the um, <clears throat> classical uh, theory, it's emphasized that three chords are necessary to really establish a key. And if you've got two chords or less, you are really relying on all the other elements to establish your tonal center, your rhythmic center, everything that keeps you grounded and balanced to, to feel good, to feel that emotional connection to a song. And it, it's particularly interesting with a couple of the songs that are two chords because they're, they're major chords floating back and forth. So the, the key center is, I don't want to say nebulous, but like it's not, it doesn't, it, it's a little mysterious, I think, in the, in the sound of it. Like the War on Drugs song has that, those two chords floating back and forth. And it's not necessarily like, oh, we're definitely in this key. It's, it's more like, oh, we're sort of just drifting back and forth. The Grateful Dead did that a lot. This is a, it's a very common chord progression to do. And I've, I've always liked that sound myself. Nice. And, and I'll, I'll, let me go to Freddie real quick. And the, 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 the rhythm is a big part of these, you know, these kind of two chords. Because if you, if you only have three chords or less, I mean, you got to do stuff with the rhythm, whether it's a build whether it's the the actual rhythm that you use and thinking about some of the songs that we have on our list here i mean how do you think you know i guess the as a drummer you know how do you think the the rhythm kind of contributes to making those songs um complete and stand out and, and go somewhere uh man that's a great question and i'm just gonna uh answer it in terms of my three picks because i think they actually kind of explain what you're asking pretty well like that muddy water song it's just dun, 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 over and over again dun, 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 dun. so that's a rhythmic device that that song probably wouldn't work without some kind of hook like that um there wouldn't be anything left exactly <laughs> da, 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 dead air <laughs> <laughs> um Peggy Sue, you know, that whole drum pattern, that paradiddle tom-tom pattern, that's the whole song. It's an iconic beat, you know? Yep. Uh, and then there's James Brown, 
who kind of, I'm not going to say made a living doing that, but, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he was the master of that, just getting on that groove and just staying on it, you know. Speaking of also groove, you, you mentioned something uh, kind of we were like, you know, off, off air about um, reggae music. Yeah. And how these songs and how like, you know, three chords or less as a, as a, as a thing um, could happen, especially with the rhythm. So, you know, just talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed this for years that reggae artists would take a song, uh, uh, an American quote unquote pop song that had more than three chords and just reduce it to a two chord vamp and have the melody kind of uh, imply the chord changes that aren't there. Um, and actually one of my, we'll get there on the honorable mentions, but um, that Peter Tosh song, it's actually, he changed the title to Down Presser Man. And he, it's basically Sinner Man, but it's uh, his version of that song and two chords, you know, just back and forth. And then the to take that the other way, so then you have, I'll just say like in the, the jazz world, uh, sometimes the interpretations of pop songs that are harmonically pretty simple and they make them more complex. Like the first example that comes to mind would be Brad Meldow's various interpretations of Radiohead tunes, and he makes them harmonically super dense, and he's adding stuff in. And in the in the jazz world, there's this um, term called reharmonization, where they will change chords, sub things out based off of a number of different uh, factors that sound pleasing, and maybe even add chords in. So you can you can really dress something up too if you want to as far as a simple tune and like add stuff in to make it more complex or you can strip something away which i it's just always you know it's part of why we do this it's fun so uh, uh brendan while you're talking as googly gop <laughs> i'd like to kind of bring in my 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 one so what and so i put this in here specifically um to talk about you know as it is less than three chords isn't the whole album like isn't every song I think most of them are. I no, th actually, I looked at all true. blues, and no? it's a twelve-bar blues. I don't know if it's twelve-bar blues. Is that more than three chords? It's well, actually, yeah. There's four in in all blues because there's a flat six. Boom, and then flat six guys. Blue and green has way, way, way more than three chords. Yeah. What about Freddie Freeloader, that would have been great. Oh, I'm sorry, Freddie Freeloader has the flat six. Yeah. Ah. Oh, I'm pulling your card. Anyway, um, <laughs> so what? So what? So what? <laughs> Who's on first? <laughs> so with so what? I mean, like, could you could you just kind of talk about the, you know, what modal is in terms of like, you know, being three chords or less in terms of like this with this specific song you can give it as, as an example. Totally, yeah, and feel free to edit out edit out as much nerdiness as um, anyone can stand. And I'm I am adjusting my glasses for the listener out there before we get into this. Oh, you can turn it down a whole bunch here, and we'll let you know when you can turn it back up. <laughs> Did he do that? I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. But as I as I Urkel, mentioned before, nice. like in in uh, the Western harmony, classical harmony, as they say, as it's taught. There's three chords that are essential to establish a key. You have the tonic, which is your one, which is James Brown. You have the subdominant, which sets up the dominant, which is the third one. So those are your three. And those three chords, it's taught, are integral to like really giving you a strong harmonic progression. 
And of course, there are, are millions of exceptions to this, and we have shattered those rules. But those were, thems were the rules for, for uh, millennia, so to speak. And then you get into modes. And so a mode is a really uh, complicated term for something that's very simple. So like, just picture a piano, and you play a C major scale. So you play C to C. That actually is technically a mode. And if you were to take those same keys, don't alter the keys that you're playing, but play the scale from D to D, all of a sudden you have D Dorian. That's all it is. That's what it is. And so D Dorian turns out to be a raised six scale degree, which is the basis of so what. And so that's all it is, is just playing uh, a major scale just starting on different notes. And if you do that six more times, you've got all the modes because there's only seven available to us because there's eight notes in a scale. And that's all it is. So it's uh, that's it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you know. You know. <laughs> and all and no, so what? Knowing is half the battle. <laughs> well. So so what does that? And it's the bass figure that plays this D Dorian thing, and then it moves it up a half step, and then it goes back down, and that's the whole tune. And a lot of people like to think that jazz is so uh, unapproachable and sophisticated, and it can be. But so what is a very simple tune and a beautiful one at that. Yes, guys. You too can play <laughs> modal jazz. You too, like like uh, like like Bono, like Bono. Bono can play <laughs> modal jazz. Anyway, let me go back to you, Paul, because my, my brain is like broken right now. Um, and too I'm much learns. Too I want to talk to you about like um, so like as a songwriter, right? Um, you say you you, you kind of express that you you like kind of writing uh, three chords in a truth as a thing, right? Um, but as a listener, do you is that all you kind of like look for, or or do you do you listen to things with like a lot more chords? And I guess how do you uh, why do you stay within your area and not pull from those other areas? Or like you know, or is that like you're just doing this now and you're going to do that later? So the I, I listen to a lot of different stuff. Um, <clears throat> I I do have to say as as I said like these, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, how much I really connected with the playlist, you know, because I know sometimes when everybody's pulling from different, different genres and, uh, the playlist may not feel like it, it belongs as a playlist. I, I don't know how you guys felt about this playlist. I think it does. Like this is a, this to me, um, is a very enjoyable playlist. So I don't, uh, I don't exclude listening to, you know, other stuff for sure. I, for me, it's, it's really a, a matter of ability. Um, I don't know a ton of chords, <laughs> so um, and just uh, I'm not really overthinking anything when I'm writing. You know, um, like I said, a tune that I, I, I got a chance to work with Brendan and Freddie. It was uh, I had like these are three chords. Try to use these. Don't ever change. Um, I had some lyrical stuff in my head, and it it literally was a 15 minute thing, and I was good with that. Uh, so uh, yeah. Uh, if if I could play more chords, I probably would, <laughs> you know. But that's just not a it's not it's not a forte of mine. Well, I'll tell you from from, from my perspective as a songwriter, yeah. Um, and I'll I'm gonna I'm gonna share I'm gonna share something with you guys. Probably the reason why I go to a lot of chords is because lyrically, I just feel so insecure about the lyrics. You know, you just you say stuff and it's just like, whoa, that was dumb. <laughs> And so I just throw as many chords as I can at the wall, 
and hide any sort of lyrical deficiency. Just court him to death. Yeah, move, Try to move throw him off. The line. <laughs> off track. Yep. Hey, look over here. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much exactly. that's exactly how it is. I think for a lot of people out there that do the chordal thing, and I, I, you know, I have a couple people in my mind I'm thinking of, that's like a, that's like a thing for those folks that aren't like uh, very, you know, lyrical, like or 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 just like write poetry and stuff. Um, you kind of hear the music and be like, man, that's a lot of chords. Like, but they're probably not saying anything. Think about that. So I I, I think that's really interesting. And then going to something that was brought up before, Adam, you you had said like uh, one of your picks. You mentioned the word hypnotic. Mm-hmm. You know, and I. Th- I think a lot of these, and I don't know, Brendan, if this is more, be, when you're sticking to bouncing between those two chords or three chords, there almost seems like a, a, a tension in a good way. You know, like, I don't know if you're waiting, if our ears are waiting for it to break away from that. But I think, I think for me, a lot of the emotion comes from there's some type of tension in all, and in a good, not tension in a bad way. Right. Um, and so I think it's really interesting that you, that you mentioned that about you know, throwing a bunch of chords in there, um, because I think, as a listener, you're focusing on, on the lyrics hmm. or on some production stuff, and I think that's that's what hooks me, you know, emotionally to hmm. to, really almost every track on this list. Sure. And so yes, and to your point, so the the first example that comes to mind is I'd rather go blind, because she goes and she sits on that minor two chord for a long time, or as many 2019 and 2020 listeners might know, Tennessee Whiskey, otherwise known (laughs) as I'd Rather Go Blind. It's the same idea. It sits on that two chord a little bit longer than you would expect it to, Hmm. and then it finally pays it off by going back to the one, the tonic, and that's the release. That's what you feel. And again, like that song harmonically goes nowhere, or it goes to those two places, but you feel like you've traveled by the end of listening to it. Well, I would say on that note, we're going to take a short break and come back with some more honorable mentions. So hold on. And we are back. And uh, we're going to give you guys some Honorable mentions for you to, to listen to as you're going about your way. Um, and I'm going to kick it to my buddy, Freddie, first uh, for his honorable mentions. But also, uh, he he had a little something he wanted to uh, kind of ask and share with us. Yeah, I have. A, it's kind of like a two-part question. So you had mentioned the one chord subdominant and then the uh, five. Mm-hmm. The dominant, yeah. Yeah. That one, four, five, the blues. That's right. Yeah. So, essentially, the blues, even though it comes from uh, a very emotional place, is also based in the basic theory of music uh, chord progressions. Yeah, it's well. that would be a textbook definition of strong harmony, as you would call it. Yep. Amazing. And, and in jazz, there's two five one is also really right. common. Two five. And five, same idea. Seven. Two is a subdominant chord right. to the five. Yep. One other question. Is there any examples of quote unquote classical music that are just based in one or two chords? Oh sure. Yeah. I mean all that stuff went out the window when Ives or something. Well, like sure. That. I mean Ives was known for 
playing two keys at once. That was kind of one of his experiments, like bitonality. Uh, but yeah, I mean, by the time you get to the the late, you know, 19th century, I mean, Mozart was playing around with some of the stuff. The late Beethoven string quartets are super wacky and really interesting. And then you go to someone like Debussy and he was experimenting with modes and Dvorak was experimenting with modes. And some of that was actually influenced by American jazz. And so everything was sort of, everybody was talking and influencing each other. So, God. yeah, I mean, when we, when we talk about these rules, we're talking about, you know, like, like 18th century. That's when these God. rule, that's when the rule books yep. were kind of written. Right. Yeah. And I, but I did want to say one more thing as a slight tangent to this too. Uh, as as a bass player, I would be remiss in talking about the power of the bass in a simple two chord, three chord song. And like like Aaron, we've worked on this before too. The bass can not play the root, and that can be a super powerful thing. So then that can be something that completely changes the color and complexion of a chord that you've already heard before in the song, and it can be a, a really interesting device to be used. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the bass playing something other than the you know the regular normal thing. Yeah, uh, gives it gives things a lot more uh, complexion to it, and you know, it's really nice. Uh, so, all you bass players out there, get off the root. Get off the root. Off, the water's fine. Off Put the, one. the root down. <laughs> well, anyway, Freddie, what do you want to mention, buddy? Uh, yeah, the, these are pretty easy picks for me. Um, one is "The Beat Goes On" by Sonny and Cher. Nineteen sixty seven. The wrecking crew. Simple. Just you know dun, 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 all day long. Number yeah. two is uh the paragons from Jamaica. The tide is high. Not Blondie. The original version, 1967. Great song. Check it out. Nice. Those are my two. Excellent picks, sir. Uh, Paul, let me go to you. What are your honorable mentions, sir? So I went uh, with the Water Boys. This is the sea. And then uh, stayed over on that side of the pond uh, with a band called Hot House Flowers, a song called Alleluia Jordan. And they they kind of have a similar vibe, uh, I think. Mm -hmm. But and 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 both of these songs, I think, speak to the production. You know, obviously the Mike Scott thing, this is when he's doing the big music and um, he leaned on production, but there's some beautiful, I think, production in there. Totally. I love that Waterboy um, song. And uh, I think it's just, that. Is that two? That's yeah. just That's just yeah. two chords, I think. Yeah. And um, it's, it's so, it, there's a lot of tension in that song because you keep waiting for it to resolve and waiting and waiting. And, and, and it's so, like, uh, it's not overly produced. Right. Although it, it is on purpose, but in a in a beautiful, tasteful way. So those are those are my two. Great picks, great picks. Uh, Padai, 
What are your picks, buddy? My first honorable mention, I went with another modal jazz tune that'll keep yours company. And a classic, I went with Freddie Hubbard's Little Sunflower. That was 1967. And then my other one, again, I would be remiss if I didn't give more bass players some love. I went with what has widely been documented as the first example of slap bass on the electric bass guitar, and that is Sly Stone, Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself Again with Larry, Gla Larry Graham on the bass. And that is uh, a tune that every bass player needs to learn in their early days. Nice, and you're a very big proponent of slap bass. <laughs> So on I the hear. record or off the record? So, so I hear. <laughs> so you hear. So, so, you, so you've been mandated. We've had, yes. We've, we've had many, many an argument over the merits of slap bass in 2021. Yes, we have. Yeah. High class and low class. Get them all together. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think I'm going to go first and, and then kick it to you, Adam, right. uh, to bring up the rear here. Um, my honorable mention, my first one is one that I play all the time um, when I have gigs, and it's High and Dry by Radiohead. Off their album The Bends, 1995. And uh, I'm glad I learned this tune because I play this outdoors in front of people and they're like, oh, I know this song. And then I go back to playing a whole bunch of songs they don't know. So <laughs> they're like, oh, it's that song from Clueless, right? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. With a lot of chords. <laughs> oh, no, it was fake plastic trees. was <laughs> uh, You know, I just say, yeah, anyway. I don't, I don't even know what they're talking about, but I just say, yeah. Um, anyway, that's my first uh, honorable mention. My second one is a song called Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin off of Led Zeppelin 2, 1969. But on the playlist, I actually put the Ike and Tina uh, version. Ike and actually, version. It's, yeah, nice. it's, a, it's off of... Um, a Tina Turner solo album from 1975, I believe, is called Acid Queen, which you can't find on Spotify, unfortunately, which sucks. And actually, their version is much, 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 much better than the Led Zeppelin version. So there's that. Uh, oh. podiatrist, doctor. <laughs> what do you got, buddy? All right. Uh, you have to. <laughs> you're like, okay, here's my controversial point, and we're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, will, I will turn the corner. Uh, first off, I have a Common People by a uh, pulp, uh, you know, Jarvis Cocker, the N95. Uh, Also made a, a strange later hit by William Shatner, kind of in a way. <laughs> you ever heard that version? I kind of dig that one too. Yeah. But, but uh, this whole that whole pulp album is fantastic. And then uh, for my other one, I went with uh, Jane Says by Jane's Addiction. Jane Says, Treat me like a it's one of I, I'm gonna say it's one of those songs where like you barely know. 
you need to know like the basic three or four chords. It's only two, two it's GA. And it's like all of a sudden, you know, when I started playing guitar and you're just like, da, 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 da. you know, it's like one of those ones you can just pick up and feel like you're, you're a badass and start playing a song. And, uh, and, and Perry Farrell really uh, dri- drives it really well. But, um, you know, you're talking the, uh, you know, what you have to do when you have these chords, you got you to gotta have the dynamics of everything. And I think that's a, a fine example right there. And I will say with that with that song specifically is back you know I remember when when we when we were starting to play our first band that we were playing in Adam and that was like that was one of the songs where everybody back then had to learn that one song and play that song because it was so simple and it, everybody's version sounded terrible. Um, well, Perry Farrell is a very unique voice that is really hard, and yeah. and no one has a steel drum lying around because you kind of really need the steel drum <laughs> yeah, in there. It's true. It's true. But um, Adam. Uh, Take us home, buddy. All right. Well, I was saying on that front, talking about the uh, being able to pick up and play it right away, and, and to Paul's point, the emotional connection, and, and it all kind of ties in with that. You know, like you know, like saying like Sublime's "What I Got." Two chords, boom! You can play it up, and all of a sudden, you're a musician. All of a sudden, you're connecting with people, and I think that's kind of the, uh, you know, kind of the whole point where we're getting to with this th- three chords or less thing is where you're you're putting your your lyrics out front, your feelings out front, and laying that nice tapestry. Uh, you know, in the back to kind of just, you know, elevate, elevate the words. I'm sure there's, um, well, there's plenty of other ones where, where the words don't matter as much, but uh, it's that familiarity off the bat with the, with the, these chords and, and not overthinking. And I think, uh, you know, yeah, right it doesn't have to be a complex, obscuring, insecure lyrics, 600 chord <laughs> mega opus. You can just go and, you know, you can write yourself a simple song, express yourself, and boom, there you go. Music. Sing a simple song, Ooh. as they say. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for that, Adam. Um, on behalf of Brendan, Potai, Meta, McGeehan, Freddie, Freudy, Freddie, Freddie Beans, <laughs> Berman. Frank and Beans. <laughs> Adam, Anonymous Pumpkin, Dr. Podiatrist. Blonde Selig, Zelensky, Paul. I forgot your last name, Paul. <laughs> Kleinert. Paul Kleinert. Paul, she I forgot can. your last name. That's your new that's, that's your new one. That's the new <laughs> name. Paul, I forgot your last name. <laughs> <laughs> I I am Aaron Aaron Brown, uh, aka Corn Teeth, aka uh John Stockton, the John Stockton the podcast, dishing out assists left and right. This has been the list. Uh thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with another pot for your ears. Take care. Right fiction. <laughs>